Praise God. He is Lord. He is risen. And he's coming back. Amen. Praise God. It's a joy to be with you. I just, I just love preaching the word of God, but I love preaching to people who want the word of God. You know, not a lot of people want that. I am just thankful that you are here and desire and are hungry for it. And I want you to turn to the book of Luke chapter 22. If you were here last night, we talked about Joseph and God was with him. How many know that? God was with him, and God is with you. I want you to know that. God is with you. But today, I want to talk about Peter. Luke chapter 22. How many want truth? How many want truth? I want truth. I want truth no matter what it costs. I want truth no matter where it takes me. No matter what I have to change, I want the truth. And that should be with every one of us. Jesus said, you will know the Truth. And what did he say? It'll make you what? Free. I don't want just what truth results in. I want the truth. Everybody remember Balaam? Balaam said, I want to die the death of a righteous man. But he didn't want to live the life of a righteous man. But he wanted the results of what righteousness gives. But he didn't want the truth that brings the righteousness. And what we want to have and what we desire in our hearts and lives is the truth that will make us free. And if I preach truth to you today, and I will, any fresh inflow of truth that comes into your heart and your life will never disrupt truth that's already there. Any truth that is preached to you right now, any truth that comes to you in your heart will never overturn truth that's already in your heart. And you know what I'm talking about. So that means if you get a little jittery on the inside, when truth is presented, it might not be truth that's what's in you. It might be religion. It might be an opinion. And it might even be tradition, but it isn't truth. Because truth will never upset the apple cart of truth in your heart. So what I have to to say to you today is truth that can set us free. I want to thank you for coming today. And I want to thank you, Pastor, for having us. Brother Al, Ms. Ann, Ms. Kelly, God bless all you. And thank you for being my friend. And thanks for not throwing things at me when I come. I appreciate that. I'm just teasing. God is good. I serve a God who is on the throne of my life. And in Luke chapter 22, I want to share with you a truth. A truth that's going to hit every one of us if we're born again. Luke chapter 22, you have a Bible. I want to read this verse to you. Luke 22, beginning with verse 31. Luke 22, 31. 
And here's what it says. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Everybody see that double call? Simon, Simon. Do you know in the Bible you're going to see that about seven or eight times he'll say somebody's name twice. Can anybody think of one? How about Samuel, Samuel. Abraham, Abraham. Jacob, Jacob. And here, Simon, Simon. How many remember Saul of Tarsus? Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? If you look at every one of those, Martha, Martha. There is a sense of urgency that Jesus is trying to get across. And I have put my name in there today. Jerry, Jerry. What is he saying to Simon? He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. How many know if you put your name in there, Satan's probably desired to have you too. And what's the purpose? To sift you as wheat. And Jesus wants Peter to know this is an urgent thing you need to know about, Peter. And I want every person here today to know that my enemy is not Washington, D.C. My enemy is the devil himself. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We better start knowing who our enemy is so we can fight the right one. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And my God shall be victorious in my life. Therefore, because Satan has desired to have me, that he may sift me as wheat. That's not the end of the story. Look at the next line. But don't you love that? For my favorite conjunctions in the Bible. But it's a contrasting conjunction which says this. It means opposite to that is this. On the other side of that is this. And what's on the other side? Here it is. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. How many are glad that Jesus is praying for you? Did you know when you can't pray for yourself, Jesus will pray for you? How many of you can't get better than that? Oh, son, will you pray for me? Yes, but I'll tell you, somebody else is going to pray for you. His name is Jesus. You've been in a place where you can't pray for yourself. But Jesus says, I sit at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for the saints. And God be praised that the one who rose from the dead and will never die again is praying for me today. And if he prayed for Simon, Simon, he's praying for Jerry, Jerry. And he's praying for Philip, Philip, and Al, Al, and Ann, Ann. He's praying for you, you. Aren't you glad for that one? Oh, praise God. Woo. Last night we talked about, but God was with him. Today I want to talk about, but I have prayed for you. In talking about the sifting of Peter, I want to tell you this, my friend. Satan sifts men and women of faith. Did you know that? He sifts men and women of faith. But over against the sifting is the praying of Jesus Christ. Woo! Praise God! You know, here's what it says in the original text, in the Greek text. I love doing that kind of stuff. I get all excited about it. Not that it means a whole lot, but it really does when you find out what it really is trying to say. It turns a light bulb on for me. And this is what it really says. It says, Satan has obtained you by asking, but I have prayed for you. And that word pray for you is another form of a, of a word asking. Woo! Satan has obtained you by asking, but I have asked for you too. How many are glad that when Satan asks, Jesus has got to ask one up on him? Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Satan has obtained you by asking, but Jesus says, I've asked for you too. And guess who's going to win the fight? It's not going to be him. It's me because I have risen from the dead. I've conquered death, hell, and the grave. And the enemy can hold you no longer for you are mine. Hallelujah. 
God is in charge. I want you to know Satan sifts the saints, but on the other side of the sifting is the praying of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. That's important. That's important. Jesus isn't praying that you don't be sifted. Do you notice that? But I have prayed for you that you be not sifted. Everybody in this room knows you've been sifted. You might be being sifted right now. And I know some of you are because you're human. But if you're not being sifted right now, hey, buddy, honey, you will be. You give it some time. Give it some time, baby. It's coming. But I will tell you this. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. Jesus is praying. That's something we need to get a hold of. The enemy might sift the saints, but Jesus is praying. Not that you won't be sifted. That's not what it says. But in the sifting, your faith will remain intact. All your love for Jesus will get better. Your strength will be stronger. Your love will be greater. Your power will be greater. He's praying for you. Not that you won't be sifted, but that your faith will become stronger than ever. Because that's what's more important. Your faith is more important than your finances. Your faith is more important than what you're going through right now. Your faith is more important than what kind of car you drive. Your faith is more important than the friends you have. Your faith in God is what will stand the test of time. If you keep your trust in him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. There's a presence of God in the room. There's a sense of the glory of God. And I want you to know today, though Satan sifts, Jesus intercedes. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. You know, Satan is allowed to sift you. Well, that's not nice. Oh, he's allowed to sift you. He says here, Simon, Simon, Satan has sift, desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But the devil's not as smart as God. I used to think the devil knew everything when I was a kid. I come to find out he doesn't know everything. How many of the devil doesn't know everything? You know, the devil does not know how you're going to react to sifting. He does not know how you're going to react to trials. How do you know that? Well, the Bible says in the book of Job, y'all remember Job? God says, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan says, oh, yeah. He says, I consider him. Of course I have. He said, but you got a hedge around him. How many remember this? He says, you take that hedge down, and you know what he's going to do? No, tell me. He says, he'll curse you to your face. God says, oh, you think so? How many know Satan is not as smart as God? Satan does not know how Job is going to react. And God says, all right, you can let it go. I'll take the hedge down this far. You can go this far and this far, but no further. And guess what? In all the things that happened to Job, Job did not curse God. He blessed God. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He, I know that my Redeemer lives. That's what Job did. So Satan does not know how you're going to react. That's a good thing to know. But God knows how you're going to react. And he will never allow you to be tempted above what you're able to bear. But he will, with the temptation, make a way of escape that you may be able to hold up underneath it. That's the kind of God that I serve. That's the kind of God that I serve. The devil is not as smart as God. God knows what's in the mind of Satan. But Satan doesn't know. What's in the mind of God? Woo! I like that. I'm feeling better already. In fact, I feel so good. I think if you all left, I'd finish anyway. Pastor would have to stay, though. 
him and I would just go at it anyway. We do that once in a while. But I will tell you that in, 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 in preaching to each other is what I mean. In spite of all the sifting that's being done to the Christian, we have a God who is in charge and a Christ who is praying for us. You cannot go wrong. You cannot. I don't know why anybody in this place wouldn't then say, Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. I rejoice in Jesus, even though I'm going through the time of my life. I know this, that though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I will give him praise. I will give him glory. No matter what the devil brings at my feet, I know Jesus' prayers are greater. I know Jesus is victorious, and in him, I am more than a conqueror. Woo. You know what more than a conqueror is? Oh, what a phrase. Oh, man. He says you are more than a conqueror. When I was a kid, we used to like watch boxing. And there was what they called the Thrilla in Manila in the 70s. I don't know if anybody remembers this. Couldn't watch on TV, but heard on the radio. It was Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali. How many know what I'm talking about today? Well... We were just kids, but I was voting for Joe Frazier to win. I think he lost, but it doesn't matter. Whoever won got a prize. Probably a million or two back then, right? Can you imagine? Let's say Joe Frazier won just because of me. You know, I like the guy. Let's say he won. He brought home a check for $2 million. And he comes home to his wife. He says, honey. And he looks at her through that one good eye he has. And he holds up the check, and he says, I won. Here's the money. And she says, glory. And she takes the check and puts it in her pocket. And she becomes more than a conqueror. How many know that's true? She didn't fight. She didn't win the battle. But she spent the money. Glory to God. Friend, you didn't die on the cross because you couldn't. You couldn't defeat the devil, but Jesus did. And now because he defeated death, hell, and the grave, you've got the goods, my friend. You've got what Jesus provided for you. And now you are more than a conqueror. You didn't win the fight. You couldn't do it, but Jesus did. And now you experience the benefits of the battle that has been won. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You are more than a conqueror. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I just wanted to explain that because it makes me excited when I see that the devil sifts people. He sifts men and women of faith. But, oh, precious conjunction, but I have prayed for you. Oh, friends, so when you're being sifted, remember three things. When you're being sifted, remember three things. Don't fear. You don't have to get all upset. You don't have to whine and cry. Just remember three things. Number one, when you're being sifted, remember this. It is happening by divine permission. It is happening by divine permission. Do you know the devil can't do anything without God's permission? You know what he says? He says, Simon, Simon. Now think of it. Think of it. Simon, Simon. Satan hath obtained you by asking. Got to ask, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, remember old Job? He says, you got a hedge around him. 
He says, but you take that hedge down. God says, all right, I'll take it down this far. You can do this and this, but you can't do that and that. Everybody remembers that? We said it already. But you know what? The devil was on a chain. He was on a leash. And I want you to know, friends, the devil can't touch one hair of your chinny chin chin unless God gives him permission to get at you. But if God gives him permission, it is for the strengthening of your faith. The devil wants to destroy you, but God wants to bring you through with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All things work together for what? Good to them who what? Love God and are what? Are called according to it. All things don't work together for good for everybody. Did you know that? Really? Well, yeah. To those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. A pastor said to me a long time ago, he said, Jerry, the providence of God is that act of God whereby he works all events to fulfill his purpose. And he said, Jerry, if you make God your providence, you will never be a victim of circumstances again. I said, hallelujah. Now what? When I'm being sifted. If I'm being sifted, the devil is sifting me. But God had to give him permission to do it. That changes. That changes the purpose. You see that? It changes the purpose. The Bible says the devil seeks to kill and destroy. But if God allows it, the purpose changes to make you stronger, to make your faith bigger, to make your love greater, to make your hope brighter. Now I have a new perspective on sifting. Now I don't cry as much. Jesus, nobody loved me. Jesus, nobody cared about me. Nobody goes through what I've gone through. All baloney. How many know the devil wants to make you think you're the only one ever going through this trouble? Oh, yeah, that's right, Jerry. Nobody got a problem like you got. You're the only one. There must be, you must be really bad. I mean, you're really bad. Ain't nobody got what you got. I want to tell you something. You're not unique. Does that shock you? I'm a human just like you. How many know Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted in all points like as we are? Yet, but, yet, yet, without sin. And because he defeated death, hell, and the grave, he is able to succor them. That means wrap around your life and hold you together. He is able to hold you together. Those who are tempted, he is able to keep you in all your ways. Yeah, you're not unique. I'm not unique. The devil wants to make you think you are. But friends, we all go through this stuff. And when I come to church and I look at this guy over here and this lady over here and this man over here and I say, hey, I know him. I know John. I know Fred. Hey, that guy's gone through some rough stuff. Hey, if he can come here on Sunday morning and lift his hands and praise God. Hey, 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 I know he's got some rough times. I'm going through some rough times. I must not be unique. If he can glorify God, if he can praise God, if he can trust God, then so can I. You see? That's why you don't want to quit coming to church. You don't want to go home and be a baby. You want to be a man. Why don't you stand up and be a man? Be a man of God. Be a woman of God. Don't let the devil put you in a hole. Let Jesus' prayers for you lift you up out of the miry clay. Set your feet on a rock and put a song in your mouth that others will see, others will hear, and they too will trust in God. Satan can't do anything without God's permission. So the next time you're sifted, or you're being sifted now, he can't do anything unless God lets him. Number two, know this. You take a look at the sifting process. What is the sifting process all about? 
Well, they take wheat, and they put it in this big sieve. There are several ways to do it, but this is one of the ways. They take the wheat, and they throw it in the air. Has anyone ever seen pictures of this or seen them do that? They throw it in the air, and the chaff gets separated from the wheat. And the wind blows the chaff away, and the wheat remains. See, the devil's not as smart as he thinks he is. When he sifts you, the wheat goes up. But the wind blows away what? What does it blow away? It blows away the chaff. It blows away the non-useful. It separates the non-useful from the useful. Do you get what I'm trying to say? When the devil sifts you as wheat, he made a mistake, my friend, when he began to sift the child of God. Because God is in on the process. And I want you to know, when you're sifted, the only thing you lose is that which you don't need anyway. The only thing you lose is that which is not useful. The only thing you lose is that which will do you no good anyway so give him praise today give him praise today you know what remains the wheat remains what do you do with wheat you grind it into flour you bake a loaf of bread and you feed a hungry soul you feed a man a woman with a testimony of God's grace and God's deliverance and God's joy man I feel that I hope you're feeling something because I'm sensing something What are you sensing? I'm sensing number two. When you're being sifted, remember this. God's trying to separate the useful from the non-useful. So whenever you're being sifted, remember, there must be something in you that he wants to separate you from. Please hear me. There's some things you don't need in your life. Well, Pastor Jerry, it's not a sin. Did we, did we, I didn't say it was a sin. The Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which just so easily beset us. So it's not just getting rid of sin. It's getting rid of the things that are hindering us from hearing from God. So when you're sifted, don't worry, friends. Don't fear. Why? He's just trying to separate you from some junk in your life that you don't need. So now what do you do? Clap your hands and praise him. You can put that at the end of every one of these points. Clap your hands and praise him. (laughs) Just like you can say anything about somebody as long as you put bless your heart at the end of it. Did you know that? (laughs) Boy, he's a thief, bless his heart. (laughs) He's making it. Well, he ain't no good, bless his heart. (laughs) It's just the feel. It just changes. It just helps it. So when you're being sifted, know this. God wants to separate you from something. How many remember Abraham and Lot? Do you remember those two guys? Uncle and his nephew, Lot. Uncle Abraham. And the Bible says that Abraham said to Lot when their herdsmen were fighting with each other. Abraham had enough. And finally he said, Lot, you go this way, I'll go that way. How many remember that? He said, if you go that way, I'll go this way. Remember that? And, and, and you know what happened. Now let me give you the verse in Genesis 13. This is what it says. It says, it says, right after Lot separated from Abraham, here's what the word tells us. It says... And the Lord spoke to Abraham after Lot had separated from him. Did you know that God wants to speak to you after you separate from that which you weren't supposed to take with you in the first place? How many remember God told Abraham to leave his country? How many remember that? How many remember he told him to leave his family and his kin? How many remember that? How many know he left his country, but he didn't leave his kin? He left the country, but he took a lot with him. How many remember that? So he was obedient, but partially so. Oh, you can't be partially obedient. Well, of course you can. He did. 
Have you ever been, don't raise your hand, partially obedient? Of course you have. So have I. Are you trying to say, Pastor Jerry, that God didn't speak to Abraham? No, 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 no. God spoke to him. God spoke to him. But up until the time, are you guys having a good time? Up until the time, up until the time of Genesis 13, when Abraham separated from Lot, God hadn't spoken to Abraham in 15 years. Now you think about that. Did God speak to Abraham before he separated from Lot? Yes, but not in the way that he speaks to him now. If you will read in Genesis, you will read this in chapter 13. And the Lord spoke to Abraham after Lot had separated from him. And you will read what God says to him. He speaks to him in greater detail than he has ever spoken to him before. We always gripe, God doesn't speak to me like he used to. Well, friend, maybe there's something he wants you to separate from before you can hear from God the way you're supposed to hear from God. Jesus said, I've got more to tell you, but you can't take it. I've got more to share with you, but you're not ready for it. Why? Because there's something that you need to be separated from. And the devil will sift you, but God will allow it to separate you from that which is hindering you from hearing from God in the fashion that you need to hear from God. I hope you hear me. What are you saying? Maybe we need to separate from some of the words we use. Maybe we need to clean up our mouth. Well, it's not a cuss word. It's not? No, but boy, it sure sounds like it, doesn't it? It comes so close. The spelling is different, so you can't call it technical. It's not a technical cuss word. And so we kind of feel better. But really, that's what you really mean. That's what you really mean. Don't you think it's time for us to sanctify ourselves and then God will do wonders among us? Don't you think it's time for us to sanctify? That doesn't mean make yourself holy. That means separate from. That means separate from. You can't make yourself holy, but you can stop walking in the gutter of life. You can separate yourself from those things that are hindering you from hearing from God. And when Abraham finally completes his obedience... Woo! God says, now Abraham, looky here, boy. Look from the north, the south, the east, and the west. He never said that before. He said, everywhere you walk, this is yours. He never said that before. Friend, he wants to tell you something he has not told you before. But because you're hanging on the lot, you're not hearing what God wants to say. You're satisfied with little tidbits. Little tidbits. I'm not satisfied with little tidbits. I want what God has. Oh, my Bible says... (laughs) God has prepared greater things for those who love him. I have not seen. Woo! What are you saying? Well, if you're being sifted, remember something good's about to happen to you. <laughs> good? Mm-hmm. What's good? Separating you from Lot. Separating you from Lot. Now, you know what that is in your life. Maybe it's movies. Maybe it's some television. It might even be your newspaper. It could be a lot of things. It could be relationships. It could be attitudes. It could be ideology. It could be false theology. But you need to come up to this altar today and say, Lord, start it up. Let it fly. Because I know I would rather be in the hands of God in the hands of men for God is merciful God is holy God loves you 
And when the sifting process begins, the devil goes, ha, ha, ha. And Jesus says, oh, no, no, no. I've got something good for you. I'm going to separate you from stuff that's been causing you problems. But as I said last night, the experience in and of itself will not mature you. You must respond to it as he gives it to you. Lastly, number three. If you're being sifted, don't fear. If you're being sifted, don't fear. Because what that means is the devil is worried about you. But God is excited about you. See, if you're being sifted, that just tells me the devil's got something he's concerned about with you. And God's got something he's excited about for you. (laughs) Woo! Isn't that good? Oh, that feels good about right now. Friends, if you're being sifted, always remember this. The devil must have a little bit of concern for you. How many remember old Peter who was sifted? The Bible says that he denied Jesus three times. Remember that? But what did he do? He went out and repented. And the reason he went out and repented is because the Holy Ghost convicted him. And the Holy Ghost convicted him because Jesus was praying for him. And the best thing you can have happen to you is Holy Ghost conviction. Holy Ghost conviction. And Holy Ghost conviction will come to you because Jesus has prayed for you. The question is, will you respond to the conviction? Will you weep bitter tears? Oh, that's what happened to Peter. The devil didn't count on that. Oh, and what does Peter do? Oh, the the Bible says God filled him with the Holy Ghost after Jesus rose from the dead. Remember the day of Pentecost? The Bible says the Holy Ghost came on Peter. He was filled with the Spirit, and he preached the greatest sermon of his life. And 3,000 people get saved. Oh, I'd say the devil's a loser. I'd say the devil's a loser. I'd say the sifting process did not meet the devil's expectations. But God was excited about Peter because he knew what Peter would do. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So don't fear being sifted. Why? Because the devil, it just means he's worried about you. But God's excited about you. You know, the devil might be worried about this church, but God's excited about this church. The devil's worried about you. So if this church becomes sifted, don't start calling up all the lawyers and getting all mad. Oh, just take it to the Lord in prayer. And remember that your enemy is the devil himself. Remember that God is greater in you than he that is in the world. Never forget that your greatest lawyer, the advocate, the Holy Ghost, Jesus Christ, will do what no one could do, what no other power could do, and he will see you through. That is the truth. That is the truth. Now, if that gives you the jitters, well, then you're not holding truth. You're holding opinions and religion. What are you saying? I'm saying this. When Peter was done being sifted and repenting, the Bible says in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were on their way to prayer. Remember this? Oh, he was used in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. You see, maybe God's allowing the sifting in your life because he wants to use you. He wants to separate you from Lot so that he can actually use you. Well, he can never use me in a message in tongues. Not if you don't want to be. So here's Peter. He sees this lame man. How many remember the lame man? He says, silver and gold have I? None but such as I have. What happened to Peter? He was sifted, he repented, he got filled with the Holy Ghost, and he don't care about silver and gold no more. 
We've got pastors and churches that all they want to preach is silver and gold. All they've got on their mind is silver and gold. I've got something better than silver and gold. I've got something greater than a bus. I've got something greater than a car. I've got something greater than a building. I've got the builder of the building. I've got the one who died and rose again. I've got the giver of life. I have life itself. Mm. What does that mean? Oh, that means Peter learned it. He learned it. Oh, yeah. Fired him up, didn't it? So when you're being sifted, all, all, all it tells you is the devil's worried about something. But God's excited about something. Oh, I hope you hear me. Now, I think Peter did get it because when you read his, his book, his letter, listen to what Peter says. Brethren, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. Oh, how many know what I'm talking about today? Think it not. Here's Peter. Here's Peter. Before Pentecost, boy, was he sticking his foot in his mouth all the time. He was an impulsive guy. Before Pentecost, he was like, and what shall this man do? He was concerned about somebody else's church. And Jesus said, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Before Pentecost, he was the one thing. But after Pentecost, he became bold. He became a man who understood the sifting process and that God used it in his life to strengthen his faith and to make him more than a conqueror. And what does he say? Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rather, he says, rejoice! Rejoice! For the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Friend, this life is so temporary. But heaven is so eternal. Keep your eyes on those things that are not seen. For the things that are not seen are eternal. But the things that are seen are temporal. Friends, we've got to have our eyes and our mind on the goal. I press toward the mark for the prize. Oh, how many know the enemy will sift you like wheat? How many know what sifting is? How many know he's sifting you? But how many know now that that sifting is only to separate the junk from the good? Oh, friends, how many know you got some faith? How, how big is your faith? Well, I don't know. How big is your faith? I used to think my faith was like this big. Until it goes through a sifting process. Huh? How many know what I'm talking about? It goes through the fire of sifting. It comes out about the size of a pea. Right? And you're like, whoa, whoa, hey, whoa. What's this? God said, ain't much, is it? Uh-uh. Hey, Jerry, you don't have what you thought you had. You know, you ain't got that what you thought you had. But you know what you do find out? You find out what you actually have. Oh, friend, what burned up, what was sifted and burned up was not faith. And you wouldn't want it anyway. So say good riddance to it. Say goodbye to it. And thank God for the size of a pea faith that you've got. Because with the faith as of a grain of a mustard seed, you can move mountains for the glory of Almighty God. It's not the size of your faith. It's the quality that's in it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Wouldn't you rather know what you had? Wouldn't you rather know what you have? Don't you want the doctor to tell you the truth? How long do I have, doc? Oh, you got, well, oh, you got all kinds of time. How long? I got 10 years. When you really only have six months. How many wouldn't stay with a doctor like that? You want the doctor to tell you the truth. Doc, if I got six months, tell me I got six months. He says, Jerry, you got six months. I say, praise God. Let's make the most of it. But we get mad when the preacher tells us the truth. What do we do when the doctor tells us the truth? We say, thanks. Then we write him a check. Really? Yeah. But when the preacher tells us the truth, we shake our fist. We have a hard time with that. 
But wouldn't you rather have a man of God who tells you the truth about things so that you're not in the dark about it? Wouldn't you rather have someone tell you the truth so you can deal with it? Well, that's what Jesus is doing, and he's doing that with me right now. He's letting me know that Satan has desired to have me, that he may sift me as wheat, but he's letting me know the other side. And the other side is Jesus has prayed for me that my faith fail not, so I do not fear sifting. Oh, you know, the devil does sift us, as we said. He sifts us in many ways, right? Doesn't he sift us by circumstances? How many of you sifts us and he uses big things? Like my little granddaughter, one and a half year old, Asha. She's now seven, by the way. And she was diagnosed with four-stage cancer when she was a year and a half. But she's seven now. Did you hear that? I don't mean seven in glory. I mean seven right here. How many know that's a big sifting process? But I want you to know my faith is stronger today than it was back then. And God used that sifting process in her life, in my son and daughter-in-law's life, in my family's life, in our church's life. And we did not fall. We did not waver. But we placed our faith in God. And we came out with a greater God than when we went in the fire. We came out with a greater faith than we went in the fire. Because God is my refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Oh, yeah, so, you know, the devil uses big things. I might know that. Big things. But he also uses little things. Huh? He likes to use disappointment. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> he likes to use discouragement. Hmm? How many know he likes to use depression? Hmm? And when he likes to use things in your life to get you to kind of blow off the handle, you know? Lose your temper. Lose your cool with your wife. Lose your cool with your husband. Lose your cool with your children. And then you look like a complete idiot. And then you feel so rotten and defeated. Oh, he does the big things, but he also uses those stinking little things. Because he wants to tell you you're not what you thought you were. But I got news for the devil. I'm actually worse than what he thinks I am. Did you know that? How many know the devil doesn't know the worst about me? You don't know the worst about me, but God knows the worst about me. And he loved me anyway, and he died for me anyway, and he saved me anyway. So there's nothing you can say about me that's bad, that's worse than what God knows. Therefore, clap your hands and praise him. I'll never forget when the devil sifted me in a little incident in my life and got me to blow off the handle, lose my temper a little bit, just a little bit. My wife and I started a church in Port Clinton, Ohio, 1987, 20-some years ago now. And we bought a mobile home. We were excited about starting a new church and, you know, God's man of faith, loving people, preaching the gospel. And we bought ourselves a table and chairs, a little oak table, actually oak veneer, probably, probably glued sawdust with an oak veneer top. Really looks nice. <laughs> I still have it, by the way. <laughs> I still have it. Six chairs. Oh, really nice. Had to glue little things in once in a while. But nevertheless, nice little table. Got a value city. How many has ever bought something really nice like that? And uh, you couldn't wait to go pick it up from the store. Huh? Mm-hmm. And you're like, ooh, I get to pick up my table and chairs. Now, you don't act like that on the outside. You say, honey, let's go pick up our table and chairs. But on the inside, like, oh, great, that's my table and chairs. Wow, I love it. I just love it. This is so much fun. <laughs> Next week, it's old. But nevertheless, today, it's new. And that's all that matters, right? Okay. So I... Called them up, and they said, you can pick it up at 1 o'clock on Friday. Well, on Friday, I called them up again just to make sure I could pick it up on Friday at 1 o'clock. And you know what the lady said? She says, you can't pick it up today. I said, what? I mean, outwardly, I was like, excuse me? 
Emily, I was like, who are you? She said, I'm sorry, you can't pick it up today. I said, why not? She goes, we're closed. Well, you answered the phone. So how many know I blew a little bit? A little bit. How many know the devil has sifted me, wanting me to blow a little bit? So you know what I said to my wife? I said, let's go eat. <laughs> That's a great thing to do. I said, let's go eat. So I took my little kids, got in the car. Now, we, live in a, we lived in a resort town. It's called Port Clinton, Ohio. It's up by Lake Erie, walleye capital of the world, as they say. Whether it is or not, I don't know. But it's a resort town full of people in that time of year that we had this happen. And so we went to a restaurant in town, and the restaurant walked in, and it was full of people. Now, that got me even more. Because I'm like, now i got to get a number and wait in line. And you know how that little area, you sit, you sit on those little chairs, and you sit, and you're waiting. Hello, how are you? Yes, like people in the elevator? Uh-huh, hello. I'm like, oh, man, I'm fuming. Couldn't get my table and chairs, and now i got to wait in line for a table. You know why you're laughing? I'm going to tell you why you're laughing, because you've been through the same thing I've been through. And when I walked in, there was a guy that I had met a couple of weeks, a few weeks prior to that. His name was Joe Solis. And a uh, really nice kid. He worked in that restaurant unbeknownst to me. And he had gotten saved, gave his heart to Christ for the Spirit. God was really working in his life. And I walked in that restaurant like this. <laughs> on the inside. On the outside, I'm like, hello, praise God, good to meet you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes. On the inside, no. On the outside, I was sitting down. On the inside, I was still standing up. You know how that is. And when I walked in, I looked back in the kitchen. There was Joe. He was looking at me. He's going. I'm like, what's wrong with him? Irritated me even more. I said, man, what's wrong with people? Don't they know I'm having a bad day? Don't be doing this to me. And, you know, he came out from, he came out from the kitchen. He came out from the kitchen. And he walks up to me and he says, oh, Pastor Jerry, how you doing? I said, how many know I said, great. That was a lie. Not only now, I'm, now I'm adding lying on top of it. You talk about sifting me. And the devil is just back there having a great time. I want you to know the devil is worried about something. That's why he's sifting you. He's worried about you. But God's excited about you. There's something the devil is concerned about. But there's something that God is excited about. There's something that he was worried about with Peter. And we all know it was true. But there was something God was excited about with Peter. There was something the devil was worried about with me. But there was something God was excited about with me. And I didn't even know it. And Joe comes out and he says, Pastor Jerry, he says, I mean, I've been talking to this, to this guy's friend of mine. He works back here. He says, I've been talking to him about Jesus. And, 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 and he wants to get saved. But I, I reached an impasse. I don't know what to say from here on out. He says, do you think I could bring him by and you could talk to him sometime about the Lord? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Whenever you want, bring him in. You know, great. Try not to act disturbed, but yeah, love to. Of course I'd love to. I'm a preacher. Of course I would love to. <laughs> so our number came up, and we got, went and sat down, and my little kid sat down, had our glasses of water, and, and we're sitting there waiting, and all of a sudden, here comes Joe out of the kitchen with his apron on from washing dishes, and he brings John, the guy that he's talking, he brings it with him. <laughs> and he walks down, the, and I'm like, no, not now. <laughs> I, I can't do this now. I'm not spiritual. How many know you can't talk to him when you're not spiritual? I, I, you, you, can't, you can't speak to somebody about eternal life when you're in the grumbles yourself. And the devil says, that's right. Who do you think you are, Jerry? I told you you're no good. So I'm like, 
now? This is, this is him? He goes, mm-hmm. So I stood up. I said, John, your, na- your name is John. He goes, yes, sir. I was looking for a little more enthusiasm. <laughs> I said, so you want to know how to give your heart to Christ? You want to know about G? He goes, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this isn't, the, you know, are we going to make it here? I said, I'll tell you what, let's go back and sit in that waiting area, you know, where we just came from with all those people that are sitting there. Let's go there and sit down. And everybody in this room knows that the Lord started to hit me. And I started to figure it out like a real dummy. It took me this long. That the reason I couldn't pick up my table and chairs was because the devil was worried about something. But God was excited about something. The devil was sifting me and I was blowing. But God had something else in mind. And I didn't know it. Well, finally, it started dawning on me what was going on. I pulled out my little New Testament, and I took John through the Romans road. And I said, John, does it bother you that all these people, I had a ready-made audience. They were all sitting there hearing the gospel, whether they wanted to or not. They're waiting on their numbers. They're probably saying, we got to listen to this. I'm like, yeah, if I got to be sifted, so do you. Hallelujah. Well, let me tell you something. He gave his heart to Jesus Christ that day. He had tears rolling down his face in that waiting area. And he held my hand. And John got saved. And John got filled with the Spirit. And John became one of our Royal Ranger leaders in our church. And I just saw John three months ago. And he is still saved. He's still filled with the Spirit. And he said to me three months ago, Pastor Jerry, I'm still serving God. He says, have you told my story to people? I said, all over the place. He says, well, I take no credit for it. I give all the glory to God. He said, <laughs> oh, how may know I wasn't supposed to pick up my table and chair. But God used the sifting process to get out of me what's in me so he could show me how rotten I am and that I could come to him and say, oh, God, forgive me for my stupidity and never let me ever again whine and complain because I didn't get my way because the devil wanted to destroy me. But you used the sifting process to save a soul from hell, to bring somebody into the kingdom of God. So don't whine about your sifting. Don't worry about your sifting because God's got some great thing in store for you if you'll just let him have his way. Woo! Praise God. Did I say I felt good by now? Did I say that already? Well, that seems to be the end of it. But you know, a couple days later, I saw Joe. And Joe says, oh, Pastor Jerry says, I got to tell you something. I said, what? I thought, man, I'm going to be leveled again, you know. (laughs) I said, what? He says, you know, I was in that restaurant. I was standing in the back that day. I was talking to John about Jesus, and he says, and I didn't know what to say. Joe just got saved himself. He says, and I stood there, and I said to myself, if only that Pastor Jerry would come in. And he says, and I looked, and you came in right at that minute. Oh, glory to God. You can't beat that. Oh, how many know the timing of God? How many know the timing of God? How many know the timing of God? So if you're being sifted, I want you to know God's got something better. The devil's worried about you, but God is excited about you. The devil is worried about you, but God is excited about you. And he's going to bring you out. He's going to bring you out. Oh, hallelujah. And somebody's going to get saved. Somebody's going to get filled. No wonder the devil's trying to sift you. And God's there going, if he only knew. If he only knew. If he only knew. I'm going to get another kid in the kingdom. Glory to God. Woo! Praise God. Well, I was at my church there after about a couple years or three years after that incident. And I was on a Sunday night and I was preaching. 
And I went into the incident I just told you about in the church service. And as I got to the part about Joe and John, him getting saved, and Joe saying, I was there asking God if only that pastor Jerry would come in. And I walked in. I walked in with a frown on my face. But old Joe didn't care. All he knew is it was me. And he knew I'd tell him the truth. When I got to that part, I finished my story. And there was a lady in the back of the church. Her name was Leisha. She was one of our missionette leaders. She lifted her hand. She says, Pastor Jerry, interrupted my preaching. I said, yeah, Alicia. She says, that's not the end of the story. I said, excuse me? She says, I was there that day. I said, you were? She said, yeah. She says, I worked there too. She says, I was the manager of the buffet line. My favorite line. She said, I was manager of the buffet line. And she says, I saw you get up out of your booth. And I saw you walk with him. And I saw you lead him to Christ. And I saw the tears on his face. And she says, I want you to know I saw it. And she says, and I came here after that. And because of that, I showed up. And God saved me. And God filled me with the Holy Ghost. All because of that incident. Oh, hallelujah. I've never been so thankful that I missed my table and chairs. Oh, glory to God. Oh, disappointment. But he who makes God his providence is never disappointed. Oh, yes. You're being sifted today. You're being sifted today. And you've been whining a little bit about it. But I'm here to tell you, don't whine about it no more. Because if you're being sifted, it was only by divine permission. It's only to separate you from something you need to be separated from so you can hear from God in a greater fashion. Oh, friend, know this. The devil's worried about something. But God is excited about something. And that's why you need not fear sifting. When she sat down, everybody in that whole church just clapped, just like you did, praise and shout. And another girl raised her hand. She said, Pastor Jerry, that's not the end of the story. I said, excuse me? She says, oh, no. She says, I work there, too. And she says, and I'm in this church today because Alicia came here and got saved. She brought me from that restaurant to this church, and I got saved and filled with the Spirit. And I am here because of her. Wow, praise God. And directly and indirectly, over 13, 13, 12, 13, maybe 14 people from that restaurant came and gave their hearts to Christ and became a part of that church from one restaurant in town. Because of what? Because Jerry couldn't pick up his table and chairs. And boy, am I glad that God taught me a lesson. That when the devil tries to sift me and get me to blow my top, and I did. See, it's not the blowing of your top. It's the repenting that you need to do. You see, Peter denied Christ, but he repented. That's what your kids need to see. They need to see that you're sorry. They need to see that you repented. They need to see that you wept bitter tears. And then you get up and go on and show them what real faith is. I've never been so thankful for that table and chairs. Do you know I still have that table and chairs? It's still in my kitchen. I, ha- I hate to part with it. I think if the veneer peels off the top, I'm probably going to stick a piece of plastic on it just to hang on to. Because I can tell you right now, the Lord God that I serve has given me a peace that passes all understanding. And it will protect my heart and my mind. I do not fear sifting. You don't have to fear it either. Some people fear sifting. I used to. Some people fear death. Do you know some people fear death? Do you know some people fear life? They fear to live. They're afraid to live. 
I want you to know I'm not afraid to live, nor am I afraid to be sifted. I'm not afraid to die. Hallelujah. I know where I'm going when I die. I am not afraid to die. I'm a little concerned about how I might die. That bothers me a little bit. But I'm not afraid to die. I don't want to be hit with a machine gun. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't want no violent thing. But I can tell you this. If I go, I, one, one guy told me, he said, Jerry, it doesn't matter. If they, if they nail you, it's only going to hurt for a second and you'll be in glory. I said, well, praise God. <laughs> Friend, what thing that really matters is this. Is your faith anchored in the blood of Jesus Christ? You do not have to fear death. You do not have to fear life, sir. You do not have to fear the sifting, Christian, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I like that verse in 2 Corinthians where it says, we have this treasure. How do we know that verse? We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I'm going to say it again. We do not have to fear sifting because we have this treasure in us. Now, a lot of people, when they preach about that verse, and I've heard it many times, we are frail vessels, we're earthen vessels. Oh, be careful, little, you know, rah, rah, rah. Well, that's true. How many know it's true? How many know we're frail? But he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have a treasure in us so that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of you. You know what's holding you together? Not you. It's him. Oh, friends. They had a group of scientists that wanted to go down deep in the ocean, about a half a mile or so, a mile. And so they had to get this little round submarine called the bathysphere. And it, has, it was made of thick steel plates and a pressurized cabin. You know, in order to go down that deep, how many know you've got to have a pressurized cabin? You have to have thick steel plates. Otherwise, if you get down that far, if you were just diving down there, you would just shrivel up and, and, and collapse, like, right? Because the pressure is so great, it would kill you. So they had to get in this bathysphere, and they went down deep, and it was pitch black down there. And when they got down as far as they needed to go, they turned on the little light, click, and they shined the light in the dark ocean. And you know what they saw? Slap my jaw. They saw a fish. Is that not the coolest thing you've ever heard of? Now, the fish didn't have armor plates on his back. He wasn't swimming down there going, with plates on his back. And a respirator. You know what it had? Scales. And it was soft and supple. And going through the water like this. Isn't that not amazing? How come that fish wasn't... (laughs) You know why? Because when God created that fish, he put something in it. He put an equal and greater amount of pressure in it so that the pressure from the outside would not collapse the fish because the greater pressure on the inside combats and resists the pressure on the outside. Friend, you do not need to collapse because the treasure in you is greater than the pressure on the outside. So you will not crush. You will not be defeated. You will not collapse because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's going to come at you, but it will not crush you. Oh, friends, hear it to me right now. Hear it with me right now. Oh, what did Paul say? We are troubled on every side, but not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but not destroyed. Because God is a consuming fire, and he lives in me. Do not fear the sifting. God bless you.
Come on, let's stand to our feet in the house. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.